And welcome to the Disability Law Show. You want to reach out, we'd love to hear from you anytime. The guys at the firm, I mean, Savannah or James, or a member of the team, one 855 821-5900 is the number email address we use for the purpose of this show and uh, outside as well, help at disabilityrights.ca. If you haven't checked it out yet, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It is uh, what it sounds. It's a pocket employment lawyer, but because they're so closely intertwined, there's so much interplay between the two, there is a disability component to the pocket employment lawyer. So make sure you check that out, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Getting to a ton of emails today. Stand by, Dana. I know it just popped into our inbox and you're going to be first uh, off the uh, off the top. But first, I know Savannah. There's a couple of things you want to talk about prior to that, right? That's right, John. Okay. I want to I want to mention the fact that uh, we have that uh, new website, DisabilityRights.ca, that you've mentioned and you're going to mention repeatedly throughout the show. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what it sounds like, DisabilityRights.ca. If you are dealing with a long-term disability claim, you're dealing with an insurance company that's being unreasonable, or you know someone, a colleague, a family member, a friend that needs help with their long-term disability claim, or if they have a personal injury, if they've suffered uh, uh, significant injuries because of a car accident or a slip and fall, go to disabilityrights.ca, learn about your rights. That's what that website does. It has an archive of our shows, TV shows, radio shows. It has a whole bunch of information you need to know. Don't simply go and Google and Google these things. You're not going to get the right information if you do that. Go to that website and, and just learn about your rights so that you understand what your options are when the insurance company is, is refusing to pay you. Yeah, it is disabilityrights.ca or help at disabilityrights.ca. Lots of information there. Uh, Go ahead, pal. What else we got going on? All right. Well, let's start off from another website uh, that we've been talking about for years now, Uh mydisabilityquestions.com. Remember, we set that website up precisely because many people simply do not want to contact a lawyer. They don't want to, you know, call me or email me or any lawyer for that matter. They just want to get the information quick and dirty, uh, anonymously, and and, f- and for free. And so we we created that website, mydisabilityquestions.com, that answers all of your long-term disability claims or even personal injury claims if you're dealing with insurance companies. And uh, let me let me get to a question that was recently posted uh, by Robert uh, from uh, Curtis. And here's what he writes. He says, I was terminated. I am on disability. Mm-hmm. Currently waiting to see if I'm accepted for LTD. I'm 60 years old. Uh, the company cut off my benefits effective immediately. Do I have any rights? So a lot to unpack in this here. Here's the thing you need to understand because some people who are applying for long-term disability and around that same time they get let go from their job, they think that uh, they don't qualify or or, or they don't have coverage for long-term disability. And in fact, some insurance companies will deny your claim saying, well, you're no longer employed, so therefore you're no longer covered for long-term disability. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. And the courts have, have clearly said that if your disability arose while you still had coverage, could be coverage through a private insurance policy or, or, or covered uh, through work, you were covered for long-term disability and your disability arose when you still had coverage. Not, you know, it, does, it doesn't matter when you apply for the disability. Right. What I mean, it does, does matter, but, but that's not the issue. The issue is when did your disability arise? If it arose when you were still covered for long-term disability, then they should approve you, uh, approve you so long as you meet the test for LTD. And the test for LTD for the first two years is can you do your own occupation? Do your doctors agree and say that you cannot do your own occupation? You cannot do substantial portions of your job. 
if you have that medical proof, those medical reports from your doctors, and if your disability arose while you were still covered, it doesn't matter you that you've been terminated from work, you still have that coverage. Now, when I say it doesn't matter that you were terminated, I mean as it relates to coverage. But again, what do we do in a situation, John, where somebody is let go from their job and either they're in the process of applying for long-term disability or they're or uh, they they are on disability. Remember, right. if you let go from your job while you're disabled, that is a human rights violation. Your employer cannot let you go if you are disabled. It's it's against the law. It's against the human rights code. Yep. So the insurance, sorry, the employer uh, has to pay you not only severance but potentially human rights damages. And the reason why this is important is because if you get severance from your employer. The insurance company, the LTD insurer you're applying for mm-hmm. benefits from or you're getting benefits from may be entitled to a credit for that severance. But guess what? They're not entitled to a credit for the human rights damages. Right. So I like to say, John, that we have employment lawyers on hand and we have disability lawyers and they always work hand in hand. In fact, some of our lawyers actually themselves have expertise in both areas. They do both employment and LTD. I only practice LTD. I only do long-term disability claims and personal injury claims. But we do, and we have some lawyers that do only employment law, like Lior. But we have some lawyers that are hybrids, and they have expertise in both areas. Because in situations like this, like Robert here, who's email, who's who's posted that question on mydisabilityquestion.com, in those instances, you need a lawyer that has expertise in employment law and long-term disability, because the two areas of law intersect. And if you only go to a lawyer that has expertise in one area and not the other you may be in a position or in a situation where you're leaving money on the table or even worse off, you're going to get no money because either the uh, well, the, the insurance company may eat up all of the severance right. that you receive from the employer. So it's very important to understand you need to go to a lawyer that has expertise both in employment law and long-term disability to maximize how much money ends up in your pocket. Again, that whole conversation gleaned from mydisabilityquestions.com, so check it out. Uh, you can also use the phone number anytime, one 821 5900 email for reaching out uh, now and uh, where we'll get to it after a short break help at disabilityrights.ca this is a disability law show on global news radio this is the disability law show reaching out is simple 1-855-821-5900 help at disabilityrights.ca or disabilityrights.ca the website for more information on what we talk about contact for savan and the rest of the team and uh ways to access our tv show as well if you haven't checked this out this is really cool pocket employment lawyer.ca it is what it says about uh, employment law but there's a disability component there as well because there's so much interplay between the two so if you want to check that out and then from there contact uh, Lior Savan for that matter as it pertains to this show feel free to uh, to do so before we get to your email Dana want to get to another uh, something else you wanted to chat about right pal Yes, I, I got an email from a lady, Andrea, in Ottawa, okay. and uh, it's, 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 it's a bit of a longer email, but it's really important that we go through it, so, so let me just get into it. She writes, after about eight years on long-term disability, I've been through two different caseworkers assigned to me. Now there is a third one, and she's asking me to do a phone interview, interviewing quotes. They have all the medical information on file, so what should I expect? Are they looking for ways to terminate by benefits, by what I say, or simply an update because it's a new caseworker. I already have an anxiety condition and this is giving me extreme anxiety uh, like they want to use my own words against me on the call. I have a very long medical history including a bad car accident 20 years ago where my body flew over an overpass and landed on the highway below. Oh my god. 
I don't, and I, it's, it's not over. And I can't, uh, sorry, and I feel I can't possibly tell you, uh, sorry, I can't possibly tell this new person all the information I need in a short interview. So what is this call for? I haven't been able to get out of bed to do severe uh, anxiety over this, which just proves to me that I'm not able to go back to work. And she keeps going on about some other things here, um, about CPP disability, etc. So, so clearly this person is extremely, extremely anxious about this phone interview. And again, John, uh, you know, I like to tell people out there that even if you haven't been cut off long-term disability, but you have concerns about something that's happening with your long-term disability claim, shoot me an email. I will respond to you. Uh, I, I will give you all the information you need. So let's dissect this email from Andrea. So the fact that she's been on long-term disability for eight years, that tells me that she's clearly disabled and clearly the insurance company has agreed that she's disabled right. because she qualified for that any occupation test you know, to get LTD beyond two years. I mean, she's gotten six years worth of, of new LTD. Um, you know, she's had various caseworkers. So, of course, you know, whenever you have a caseworker and you feel that you have a rapport with him, We've done shows on this as well, John, where we tell you don't get too close and chummy with your caseworker because they right. still have a job to do. They still have to protect the insurance company. But in, in any event, in Andrea's case, clearly she's had different caseworkers, uh, different adjusters at the insurance company, and she's concerned about this new one. And she should be concerned because there is a possibility that this new adjuster is going to try and use her words against her in sure. this interview. I mean, chances are that this new case adjuster, I think, I mean, given the fact that Andrea has been on LTD for eight years, chances are is that uh, she simply wants to, to touch base with her, uh, to speak with her, just so that she, she you know, creates that, that relationship with Andrea. But I can also understand why Andrea is absolutely paranoid about this conversation. You know, and the reality is that if the adjuster calls you up and says, how are you doing? And you say, I'm doing well today. Wow. Chances are in their notes, in the adjuster's notes, it's going to say, uh, insured says that, or claimant says that they are doing well, or they are, or they are doing good. You know, you have to be careful of yeah. what you tell the adjuster on the phone, what you tell them in person, because yes, they will often use your words against you. Again, I'm not so much concerned about the situation with Andrea, but I've answered her, I've given her my thoughts about the situation. But this is not this is not uncommon, John, for people to be absolutely anxious whenever a new adjuster comes into the picture. Uh, and, and frankly, some adjusters are better than others. Some of them are more sympathetic than others. Some yeah. of them are more knowledgeable and experienced than others. You know, you can have two different adjusters that have completely opposite and different views of the case. I was telling you about a mediation that I had a few weeks ago. I right. can't go uh, too much into the details uh, because uh, we settled the claim and there was a confidentiality clause. But at the end of the mediation, one of the adjusters that we were dealing with, who was a new adjuster on the claim, uh, it seemed like a very good person. In fact, I think I've worked with her on a different file years ago. She came over and hugged my client. I mean, that's wow. rare to see. And so then I was talking with this adjuster, you know, off the record, the case has been settled. And I said, you know, I was surprised that your predecessor on the file was only offering X, much lower amount that they ended up paying. And she said, yeah, well, I just see things a bit differently. That's what she said. And I said, huh. well, maybe that other adjuster didn't have the experience that you have. And she says to me, no, 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 that other adjuster was very, very experienced. So here you have, John, two different adjusters, but they're seeing the case so differently. And, and, and so, you know, again, tying this back to Andrea here, I understand why she's anxious. 
Maybe she had two adjusters that were handling her LTD case for the last eight years, and both of them were good people, experienced people, and understood the gravity of the situation, you know, her, the extent of her disability. Maybe this third one here will not. Maybe this third one here will try and cut her off. Well, what I told Andrea is, whatever happens, we are here. And it's not just me, it's a full team, it's a full firm that has a strong reputation in the industry. We are behind you. So do whatever you need to do. I gave her some tips in terms of what she needs to know and Good. do and how to confirm things via email with the adjuster. I think she's a lot more comfortable, but she's still going to be anxious, of course, because she's still going to have to do this interview. Uh, and, uh, you know, but again, understand you have rights. And we are here to help you not only understand those rights, but help you enforce those rights. Insurance companies are not above the law. You may think that they have the power to do anything, but they do not. They, ha they are subject to the law, and this is why they're terrified when we get involved, start a legal claim. They don't want to end up before a judge. They understand that a judge can hammer them. They don't want that. It doesn't make economic sense for them. So, again, if you are out there or you know somebody who has questions and concerns about their long-term disability claim, put them in touch with us. It won't cost you a thing to speak with us. one 821 5900 Yeah, it's a number. Good call. It's uh, help at disabilityrights.ca. Dana, finally, your email's coming up. We'll take a short break and dive right into that uh, when we come back. Disability Law Show, Global News Radio. Disability Law Show, right back at her. Bitter patter, one 821 5900 That is the number to reach out anytime. Get a hold of Savan and a member of his, uh, his awesome team. They're ready to talk to you. Help at disabilityrights.ca is the email. The, uh, the website is disabilityrights.ca. There is links there to uh, all the stuff we talk about, past shows, the TV show as well. And if you haven't gone there, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. This is a brand new tool. You guys, uh, you guys, meaning you and Lior, have been developing for some time. And although it's uh, employment law centric, there is a, uh, a robust disability portion to that particular tool. So, just uh, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. You want to go there as well. And then follow up if you uh, if you wish with Savannah. There's contact at the top and the bottom. You'll see the yellow buttons there. Feel free to uh, to use those. So, as mentioned, Dana. Finally, your email is up here. Let's get uh, let's get right into this. Dana says, "I'm 38 years old and I work in the insurance industry as a licensed broker." I got injured three years ago in a car accident. I suffered mild traumatic brain injury and bad injuries to my legs and hands. I have a claim for my car accident, but I don't know what to do about my LTD claim. I've been on LTD for two years until last month when I was cut off because they said that I can do some other work now. I can't, and all my doctors agree. My car accident lawyer told me to appeal the disability claim denial, but my friend told me to contact you first. Loving your friend. Uh, I don't know what I should do, and my lawyer is not explaining anything to me. I don't even know what is happening with my car accident case. Okay, so, Dana, uh, two red flags here from, from your email. Uh, first red flag, um, which I want to talk about um, in, in substance here, John. It's a pet peeve of mine. Uh, Dana, you're saying your lawyer is not explaining anything to you. You have no idea what's happening with your car accident claim. That is a huge red flag. Now, it doesn't mean your lawyer is not good, doesn't mean your lawyer is not experienced, but it tells me that your lawyer is not doing their job. Right. Because there's zero reason why, uh, if you don't know what the status is of, of, of your case and, and you're inquiring about it, that you, you're not getting an answer. I always make sure that not only do my clients understand what is going on, but they understand it in the context 
of what to expect, what to expect in terms of next steps, what to expect in terms of process, what to expect in terms of, you know, even something like how do you dress for, for you know, for a certain proceeding like sure. a mediation. I mean, I want to make sure that my clients know as much as, as possible about each step of the process because that's how, you know, you, you make them feel comfortable and that's how you can help them make the correct decisions. Remember, the right. client is the one who should be driving the case. I often say that I act like a GPS for my clients. I will tell you how to get to the result or to the destination that you want to get to or need to get to. But at the end of the day, you actually have to hit the gas pedal. You have to mm -hmm. go there. Good call. Yeah, and a lot of lawyers don't understand that this is what their function is. Their function is not to simply take over, do everything, and keep their clients in the dark. That's inappropriate. I think I think it's a breach of their obligations uh, under the various ethical guidelines and moral guidelines, uh, and it's just not right. And Dan, I think the reason you're contacting us is because you're not getting answers from your lawyer. And by the way, this doesn't... Uh, just uh, just um, uh, apply to disability or injury lawyers, John. It applies to any lawyers, family lawyers, immigration lawyers. You need to know about your case, and you have a right to. Okay, now, with that in mind, uh, Dana, you're saying that you've been on LTD for two years, you had that yep. car accident, you have a car accident lawyer. Okay. Your car accident lawyer is telling me to appeal that disability claim. Bad bad idea. We talk about this all the time. I actually don't understand why your lawyer would even say that. That, uh, you know, before we broke for the last segment, I mentioned that mediation I had a few weeks ago. That was a case that arose from a car accident, very similar circumstances, except that my client uh, was in her 50s. Uh, she wasn't 38. And, uh, you know, when we went to the mediation, I had three insurance companies in the room that I was negotiating with. I had uh, the, the, the long-term disability insurance company. I had the insurance company for the person who was responsible for the car accident, the one who hit my client, and I had my own client's uh, automobile insurance uh, because she was entitled to accident benefits. So three insurance companies. And here's the reason why I had all three of them there. Because even though... Some of these insurance companies were responsible for different types of compensation, right? There, there was some compensation, specifically income loss, that all three of them had to contribute to. So, Dana, hmm. to go back to your case here, if you appeal that decision, if your lawyer, for example, tries to resolve the car accident claim, guess what? The insurance company for whoever was responsible for your accident they're going to offer you only so much money for your income loss. And they're going to tell you, go get the rest from your long-term disability insurance company. So strategically, wouldn't you want to have a legal claim against your LTD insurer so you can bring them all under the same roof right. and bring them all to the mediation? I mean, it, you know, it simply makes common sense to me. And, and not to mention the fact that these appeals and we say this time and time again, are useless. Mm -hmm. They're absolutely useless. And the other thing to consider here, uh, John, is that you know, Dana was on LTD for two years while her lawyer is battling the insurance company for the car accident. Well, now she doesn't have money coming in from the long-term disability insurance company. By appealing that decision, potentially getting denied, and, and, and again, extending the period of time where she has no income coming in, that puts significant pressure on Dana and Dana's family. Again, no reason to do that. 
a much better way to do it, in my opinion. And again, remember, I don't know all the facts of this case, but just from just looking at the facts Dan has given us, uh, starting a claim immediately against a long-term disability insurance company, linking both claims together, meaning getting in touch with uh, the lawyers on both sides, trying to resolve the claim on both sides, and potentially the accident benefits insurer too. Again, doing three insurance companies uh, into a, into the same room and resolving the claim with all three of them at the same time. Because at the end of the day, the plaintiff is the same. It's Dana. Dana is the one making a claim against all three of them. What is the point of yeah. of you know resolving one at this point, another in this point? You know, it's it's very messy. It's not efficient. And, and again, Dana, what we're gonna do is after the show, we'll connect. I want to understand more about your situation here, and I'll tell you what I think you should be discussing with your lawyer or the questions you should be asking. John, I never tell people to switch lawyers. I never, ever do. But I do tell people, it's your case. You have to be comfortable with your lawyer. And if you feel that your lawyer is not doing what they're supposed to be doing, and part of that is communicate, you do have to think if that lawyer is the lawyer for you. And you do have to consider whether or not it makes sense for you to stay with that lawyer. So, you know, again, people contact me all the time. They want to switch to me, to my firm. And, you know, we go through an analysis. I never, ever tell someone you need to switch lawyers. In fact, I usually say think twice, think three times before you actually make that move. But I want to make sure that people understand they do have that option if, in fact, they feel that their, their lawyer is failing them. Dana, again, it's one 821 5900 to reach out by phone. You know the email address, help at disabilityrights.ca, of course. Lots more of the show. Justin, your email is up next on the Disability Law Show, Global News Radio. This is the Disability Law Show. To reach out, contact the guys. It is one uh, 821 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca. If you haven't checked out pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, it's brand new. It's a wonderful tool. deals with employment law and also disability portion there as well, so have a look at that. When you got some time, really simple to use, and contact is just as easy as well. Again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Justin, your email is up next, fella, and it goes uh, like this. Savannah, Justin says, I fell on ice outside my friend's apartment building last January, broke my ankle, had surgery, and had screws put in. I'm st- it's still very painful. It's impacted my work because I'm a chef. I was always on my feet and worked 10, 12 hours per day before. I now work less than half of that time. And I don't know if it's going to get any better. My friend who lives in uh, that apartment building says that they've uh, had at least two other people slip and fall before me that week before my accident. Apparently, they fired the winter maintenance guy that was taking care of the place because he wasn't doing his job properly, because that's obvious. Uh, I just want to know what I can claim for. My income has been reduced by a lot, and I don't know if I'll be able to recover fully. I'm 58, by the way. Okay, Justin, thanks for your email. I'm sorry about the accident. Let me tell you exactly how... um what what you should you know you should consider here yeah. uh, number one based on the fact that uh, you've been told by your friend that there was an issue with that winter maintenance contractor uh, y- y- you have a case you have a case I mean I'd want to get more details but you have a case L- let me step back for a second here uh, whenever we're dealing with a personal injury matter not a long-term disability case but a personal injury like a slip and fall like this one mm-hmm. we're dealing primarily with two issues the first issue liability fault who is at fault John, if Justin said to me that he slipped on a, on a, uh, he didn't slip, that he simply tripped on his own feet, you know, even if he became paralyzed, God forbid, 
I couldn't do anything for him because no one is responsible for the accident except for him. Right. So sometimes you can't establish that someone else is responsible or is negligent or is at fault for your injuries. In this case here, given the fact that that winter maintenance, contra uh, winter maintenance contractor clearly had a history of not doing his or her job, there were other people who slipped and fell and got injured the week before the accident. I'm comfortable that we can establish liability. We can probably prove that this winter maintenance contractor was at fault and potentially the apartment building, whoever owns it, their insurance company would have to get involved because it's their property. So potentially we're dealing with two insurance companies, the insurance company for the building itself and the insurance company for the winter maintenance contractor. Okay. Now we're dealing with the second issue that arises in personal injury claims, the injuries or the damages. And this is what yep. he's asking here. Justin, you're asking, what can you claim for? Let's go through this. And this is an excellent question because some lawyers miss these things. Number one, you have an objective injury. By objective, I, means, uh, I, I mean that uh, no one's disputing that you broke your ankle. We have x-rays, we have surgery records, we have hospital records, a whole bunch of stuff. It happens. Screws yeah. in your ankle. It happens. This is a serious uh, uh, injury. Uh, I've dealt with a lot of broken ankles, uh, broken knees, you know, just in general, uh, these kinds of injuries, orthopedic injuries, they're very serious, especially when you're older because you end up developing arthritis, osteoarthritis. I'm not a doctor, but again, I've dealt with enough of these cases to know that there are going to be issues for you in the future, Justin. You're going to have issues with mobility. So there's a whole bunch of stuff we have to look at. Number one, pain and suffering. You are entitled to pain and suffering. And pain and suffering, you know, that's something that we need to look at. I need to understand more about the prognosis. But, you know, in a case like yours, my gut sense, my estimate is that you should be entitled to anywhere from 40 to 60, maybe even $70,000 for your pain and suffering. That's before we factor in any any contributory negligence mm -hmm. for not watching potentially where you were walking. I mean, the defense always makes that argument, but I'm just talking about the damages, just assessing damages, which incidentally is what the insurance companies are going to be doing once they get a claim right. for your for for your accident. So that's number one, pain and suffering. Second category, clearly here, income loss. Demonstrably, we can show here through tax returns, through through employment records, we can, sh and frankly, it's common sense. If he's a chef and on his feet all the time, we can show that there is a reduction in income. We would at some point get uh, a forensic accountant. We would be paying for that accountant, and that accountant would crunch the numbers in terms of what your losses are, both since the date of the accident and into the future. Were you going to retire at age 60, 65, 70? You know, nowadays, John, people retire much later than 65. Yeah, so, they don't have to. Yeah, we have to figure out what exactly is that delta, what are you going to be losing? So income loss is a huge part of your claim, and not just income loss, but a loss of competitive advantage in the workforce because now you may have an issue getting a job elsewhere, maybe a job that was going to offer you more money, a better restaurant, a better hotel, etc. But listen to this. You have other damages you can claim for. Maybe you have out-of-pocket expenses. You have medical and rehabilitation, physiotherapy uh, uh, expenses. You may need certain treatments. You may need modifications to your home because of future mobility issues. So again, these kinds of, of areas of compensation, we have to look at all of these. We may need to hire experts to be able to go to your home, to speak with you, to speak with your doctors, to figure out what does the future hold. You know, it's very important to understand that when you're looking at compensation, we want to make sure that you are compensated for everything that the law allows you to get compensation for. 
and, and, and by the way, there's something else here. Do you have a family member that's been helping you? Yep. Do you have a, a mother, father, son, daughter, somebody? Well, guess what? They may be entitled to compensation as well under the Family Law Act, legislation that gives them the ability to get compensation for the fact that they are now spending time with you, uh, for the fact that they don't now have, you know, they don't have the same uh, uh, husband or father or whoever it is that we're claiming for, you know, they can get compensation as well. So there's a lot of areas here that we need to explore, Justin. And again, I, I suggest after the show, let's get in touch with each other. I'd like to explain to you in much more detail yeah. what it is that you could potentially be looking for. But John, this is a claim that can easily be easy in the in the low, mid, maybe even high six-figure wow. uh, um, uh, uh, settlement range. Justin, that uh, that number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at disabilityrights.ca. Disability Law Show continues. More of it. We'll get right back to our emails. Ron, you're up next here on the Disability Law Show, Global News Radio. This is the Disability Law Show. Indeed, the number is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at disabilityrights.ca. If you haven't checked it out, mydisabilityquestions.com. That is a place for you to ask your questions when we're not on the air and you're not directly emailing Savannah or James or a member of the team. You can leave it there, and it will be answered by a member of the crew. There is a pretty high probability, though, that your question or one very similar has been asked in the past. There is a search window and a drop-down menu. You can look at it and look for your question and the in-depth answer. Uh, if not, yeah, feel free to leave it there, and it will uh, will get answered. Ron, your email is next. And uh, Ron says, Savannah says, my wife's LTD insurance company cut off her payments last year, and we hired a lawyer who keeps avoiding us now. We keep asking for updates on her case. We never reach them. To give you some background, she's 45 years old and was making uh, $68,000 a year as an executive assistant at a large corporation. She can't work because of severe depression and anxiety and was recently also diagnosed with a bipolar disorder. What can we do if our lawyer doesn't respond to our request for updates? It's all silent. Yeah, Ron, again, we touched on this earlier in the show. This is uh, this is a big red flag. A lawyer should never be avoiding you. Never, ever, ever. I don't care what the reason is. And, and you know, uh, a while back, I had a, a lady contact me who said that, in fact, she was experiencing something similar to this in terms of the lawyer being, um, you know, avoiding her, avoiding her questions, not answering anything. And then she found out later that the lawyer had been disbarred by the by the law society, so you know I'm not saying the fact that the lawyer is avoiding you means that uh, you know they're they're in hot water with the law society, but they may very well end up being if you make a complaint. And uh, you know lawyers have an obligation, John, to communicate with their clients. It's it's really I don't even know why I have to even say this, but it, it's a huge thing. You know every lawyer that, that joins our firm. Uh, they usually meet with me for about an hour and I go through various policies, procedures and all that. And one of the first things that I go through with them is the this concept of responsiveness. People who have dealt with me directly, even people who are listening to the show, who've had claims, who, who wanted to test whether or not I'm true to my word, email me and get a, you know, an, an email back within minutes and they simply are shocked that in fact this is, you know, I, I, I practice what I preach and I tell lawyers at our firm, you are not going to stay at our firm if you do not communicate with your clients. And, and there's no reason not to. We're talking about email, phone, in person, but even a quick email. If a person has a question, you should be able to get an answer. And especially if the lawyer knows what they're doing. So, Ron, to go to, to your question here, what can you do if your lawyer is being unresponsive? I think you need to communicate in writing 
email is fine to that lawyer that you're having concerns, that your wife is having concerns. And you need to tell the lawyer that they must get back to you. Give them a deadline. And, and you know, try and get a hold of the assistant in the office. Try and set up an appointment to go see them in person if you can. And, and frankly, if, if for whatever reason it still continues, I, I personally don't think you should be staying with that lawyer. I think your wife should move. You know, whether it's to us or to a different firm, whatever. But the point is, you know, it, one of, the, one of the, the concerns I have in these kinds of situations, John, um, let, me, let me harken back to years and years and years ago when I used to work for insurance companies. I would be dealing, so imagine this, I'm defending the insurance company now. Right. And I, I'm dealing with some lawyers who are unresponsive, even to me. I don't know how they are with their clients, but even to me. And... I've had quite a few situations where the insurance company that I was working for wanted to try and resolve the claim. They gave me instructions to offer a, a settlement amount. This happened in, in various circumstances. Okay. I would then communicate that offer to settle to the plaintiff lawyer, and I would not hear back. I mean, sometimes I wouldn't hear back for days, weeks, months. Sometimes I just would not hear back at all, despite the fact that I would be continuing to follow up. Okay. Now, let's think if that lawyer is not responding to me and I'm from the insurance company offering a settlement, I don't know if that lawyer is even you know, telling their own clients that there is a settlement offer on the table. So when I hear a person nowadays telling me, I can't get a hold of my lawyer or I can't, you know, they keep avoiding me, they're not answering my questions, it's possible, it's possible that you're in that same situation that I was back then, meaning maybe the insurance company is trying to resolve your case, but your lawyer is not responding to them. I mean, this is what's frightening to me, and I don't know if this is the case here, Ron, with your wife, but again, what can you do? You communicate to that lawyer in writing that this is not going to be acceptable going forward. Uh, try and get an appointment in person. Try and understand what is going on. Get assurances from the lawyer that there are timelines, expectations that have to be met in terms of you're asking a question or you're communicating something via email or voicemail or whatever. You want to get an answer back within 24 hours, 48 hours, whatever, whatever is reasonable in your relationship. But if that lawyer continues to avoid you and your wife, I don't think you should be staying with that lawyer. I think there's a bit, very, very big problem there. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, it's, it's as you mentioned before, it's nothing you normally recommend. But, I mean, in a case like this where you're just banging your head against the wall, with no, you, you might have to jump ship, man. You, yeah, you, you, you do. You, you do. And listen, I have, I have obligations on, under, under again, under lost side yep. guidelines. Not to tell people to simply – but frankly, I also don't want people to to just switch you know, willy-nilly because there are very good lawyers out there. And by the way, there are very good lawyers out there that are good in what they do. They're good. They understand the law, but they really suck at communicating with people. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 you know, and it's frustrating to me because I know that they're good lawyers. And I don't understand why they can't simply take two seconds to respond. I I was in court for two weeks last year, and and John, I swear to God, every time we went on a break, I would go through my emails. I would take five minutes and either flip emails to my assistant so she can respond to people, or I would simply, if it's a very simple question, I would respond back. And, and by the way, as a lawyer, you cannot be more busy than if you're in court. You, you just you can't. You, you know, you got to be full on ready to deal with what you're dealing with. But I couldn't handle not communicating with people. And the lawyers in my firm, they know that this is the culture that we've created. They know that's the expectation from people who deal with us. To me, that's the number one cardinal rule. You have to communicate with your clients, period, no excuses.
Blake, your email is up next. For the rest of you, you want to email into the show sometime uh, right now, it'd be great to hear from you. Help at disabilityrights.ca. Disabilityrights.ca is also the website. You want to check that out. Uh, the phone number, always the uh, trusty way to go when we're off air, one 821 5900 Still some time left. We'll get right back to it after a short break. The Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. The Disability Law Show continues to reach out. 1-855-821-5900. Again, 1-855-821-5900 is the way. Help at disabilityrights.ca. Blake, uh, your email is like this. I've been on LTD for almost a year now, Savannah. I feel that I may be ready to try to go back to work on a gradual basis. My doctor is hesitant because I tried a few months ago. It didn't go very well. I'm wondering if I should heed his advice and just continue staying off work for now or try again. If I try again and don't succeed, will I be able to go back on LTD? Well, your first question is, should you heed his advice um, and just continue staying off work for now? First of all, I think it's admirable that you are really trying to get back into the workforce. And, you know, there are some lawyers, unfortunately, out there who will do everything in their power to convince you not to try to go back, even if your doctors think that you should go back. Uh, But, you know, to me, it's very simple. I'm not a doctor. I have no idea from a medical standpoint if you uh, functionally are able to go back to work or not. And I'll tell you this, Blake, if my doctor told me stay off work because of so-and-so, that's my medical advice, I'm going to listen to my doctor. To mm-hmm. me, that's common sense. And, you know, I, I know that you're eager to go back. I understand that. I think the insurance company uh, would love uh, to hear you say that you want to go back. But at the end of the day, you want to make sure that if you do go back, you're doing it um, in, in, in a manner that's safe, in a manner that, that hopefully assures that you can work for a long time or for as long as you need to work. I would say to you, listen to your doctor. That's the basic advice. Now you say, if I try again and I don't succeed, will I be able to go back on LTD? So we've dealt with a few cases like this in, in, in this show uh, where, where, and past shows where people uh, have tried to go back to work w- yep. with their doctor's blessings and have been unable, uh, unsuccessful at, at, their, at their trial uh, to go back and they've tried to go back on LTD only to be denied by their insurance company for a variety of reasons. Now, again, so people understand, if you are an LTD and you try to go back to work, your LTD policy likely has a a common provision, which is called a recurrence provision. It means that if you try to go back to work but you're unsuccessful within a certain period of time, um, oftentimes I see it to be six months. If within six months of trying to go back, you cannot, in fact, go back to work, it's unsuccessful, mm-hmm. and your doctors say that you're unable to go back to work, uh, then you should be able to go back on your LTD claim. And, and you should be able to go back without waiting the elimination period, which is that, that period of time initially where you don't get any money from the insurance company. It's about 90 days usually. But, but the thing is that, again, many people end up uh, getting rejected by the insurance company. When they try to go back, they fail, and they try to go back on LTD, they get rejected by the insurance company, despite the fact that the doctors are saying this person should be on disability or sh- this person can't work. We help tons of these individuals. I have yet to have a case like that where the doctors are saying this person is unable to go back to work because they've tried and they failed. I've yet to have a case where we got involved and we weren't able to get the insurance company to come to the table and resolve the claim. Uh, you know, once we get involved and we start a legal claim against the insurance company, that is a major pressure point on them. 
And, and again, we do that as long as the doctors are saying, the doctors treating our, our, our clients are saying, this person is disabled from working. So my advice to you, Blake, listen to your doctor. If for whatever reason you go back to work and you fail and you can't get back on LTD because the insurance company rejects you, you call me or you email me ASAP and we will step in and we will help you. It's, 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 it's almost like damned if you do, damned if you don't. You know, they want right. you off claim and back to work, but then when you try to go back to work, fails like, no, we're not putting you all back to claim. You went back to work. What well, the that's hell are you exactly talking it. about? <laughs> yeah, that, because they don't oh. care. They don't care, <laughs> right. John. They, they don't care. You know, this is the only, I think I told, I, I spoke about this before. Insurance products uh, like this, it's the only product you can, you can buy where mm-hmm. once you give the money, uh, the interest of the seller uh, is diametrically opposed to your interest because what are you right. buying here? You, you know, when you buy a fridge, you're getting a fridge. You're giving them money, you're getting a fridge. You buy a car, you get a car. You know, it's in their interest to to, and they don't always do this, but it's in their interest to make sure you're happy with your product and that they take care of you. Again, not every place is is has the best customer service, but it's in their interest because they know you'll come back again and again and again. With insurance companies, what are you buying when you're dealing with uh, house insurance, travel insurance, LTD insurance? You're buying peace of mind. You're mm-hmm. buying a safety net. But but the thing is this: as soon as you have to make a claim, it's not in their interest to pay you because you're taking money away from them, right? They don't want to pay you, so that's why you know you've paid for something right. that. It, so 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 people ask me then, what am I paying for then? Well, I'll tell you what you're paying for. You are paying for not a safety net. You're paying for the right. You've just bought a right to enforce against the insurance company, to force them to pay you what you are owed under the policy. It's a very unique product. People, again, don't understand that they're not buying peace of mind even though that's what they're being sold. You're being sold out on TV, on radio, right? You see all these commercials, hear all those commercials. We'll be there when it rains. We'll be there with you. We're your best friend. Absolute Mm -hmm. nonsense. It's garbage. All insurance companies, in my opinion at least, act pretty much the same way. They all have the same goal making money and they're making money off of your back done strongly you want to reach out anytime by the way now that we're uh, we're done for today one 821 5900 email address is help at disabilityrights.ca for more, uh, more information about the show and the tv show as well where to catch it etc it is disabilityrights.ca and if you've not checked this out you probably haven't because it's a brand new tool It'll take a long time to create it perfect it and make it easy to use PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca, of course, as the uh, the title says, there's an employment uh, component to that, including the severance calculator, but there's also a disability component to it. That's why we mentioned it on this show as well, so make sure you take full advantage. Check it out. Give it a shot. Do some exploring, and if there's a, a contact needed, there's one at the top, there's one at the bottom. Couldn't be easier to use. Again, PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca. Till next time, this has been the Disability Law Show on Global News Radio.